0: Hey, what's up? I'm Matt Wyatt. This guy is? Brett Hudson. That's right. Brett Hudson is back, folks. Hashtag back. Hashtag BRB.
1: Be right back. That's all it took. But he's back. Did you see the hashtag Freed Brett Hudson? I did. You're responsible for that. You did that.
0: Freed. Freed. It was free Brett Hudson, and now there's a D in there. Freed. Freed Brett Hudson. This is the Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs podcast all about and for mississippi state women's basketball and you the fans of Vic schaefer and company and this is brought to you by and sponsored by mississippi land bank you can visit them online at mslandbank.com they understand the lay of the land anything land related buying selling all points in between they're the kind of people you want to do business with let's get it started Praise the Lord and talk dogs. I'm Matt Wyatt, Brett Hudson. Brett, before you go any farther, great job picking out the name. How long, oh, did, it yeah. take you, how long yeah. did it take you to come up with that?
1: Um, not as long as it should have. Uh, <laughs> that was that was as as lucky as I've been in a long time. I was so I, I think I texted you the the other idea I had was Ladies Night, which was okay. It's pretty good,
0: it's okay because but it's, it'd be a great song, right? Exactly. You know, we would never get the rights to use it on never. the whole copyright thing, but we could go in and get one of those really like you know hack job uh, remakes <laughs> that you can find. You know, like the MIDI version on YouTube or mm-hmm. something. Ladies Night, we could have used that. Um, well, and you know, I've got a sound clip. I, I don't, if it's a sound clip of Vic Schaefer saying, praise the Lord and go dogs, I don't think there's anything wrong with using that because it'd be no different than quoting him in like a post interview. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, he says it at the end of every press conference, yeah, every press conference, so. conference every interview. Yeah, so that, whatever. I mean, that's fair game for a TV station to use. But I don't <laughs> see why we couldn't use the audio as well. Yeah,
0: I agree. So, um, here it is. This is the first one of this, uh, series of podcasts covering Mississippi State basketball, Brett Hudson, uh, I'm Matt. And, you know, it's kind of jumping in the middle of the year, but you're just coming off the win, just blowout win at Florida. Uh, We're going to publish this here a couple days before State's going to host Ole Miss Mm -hmm. here in the hump. So there's plenty of specifics to get to. I just thought, though, it being the first podcast, why not have just a second or two to talk about the overall kind of uh, expectations coming into the year and where they are right now in the year compared to those expectations. I mean it's pretty obvious where they are sitting at the top of the SEC in the standings 6 and 0 in the league and then 18 and 1 overall. But if you go back and in the preseason and in the early season really even to this point I think still a lot of people would say is it even possible for this year's team to be better than last year's team? You know you'd hear that a lot. So as you covered and we're around and you know you hear coach Schaefer um, where do you think they are where do they look to be compared to last year's team
1: Uh on par and in a lot of ways I mean if you if you just well put put it this way the the expectation for this program after the last two seasons has become to be one of the best programs in the nation and on every statistical level they have met that even though they kind of moan about their own defensive performance let's just look at some some cursory numbers there field goal percentage allowed they're 36th in the nation leave it to a program like this to moan about being top 40 and in field goal percentage allowed uh points per possession they're ninth in the nation they're still complaining about their defense so i think that 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 probably gives you all you need to know effective field goal percentage allowed 23rd in the nation i mean they do Really, everything well. They they could be better on three point defense. I will concede that immediately. Uh, they allow thirty point three percent. That is uh, probably top third, barely mm. nationally. Maybe closer to to the midway point. One hundred twenty six out of three fifty one. Someone smarter than me can do the math on that very quickly. But I, I think that's kind of where where they are at, at this point. They're they're clearly. On the short list of national championship contenders, up there with the obvious in UConn and a few mm-hmm. other few other schools, I'll pull up the uh, the polls to see what where that okay. kind of breakup line is. And for, while for you this pull thing. that up,
0: while you pull the polls up, this is another thing that jumped out at me. You tweeted this last night, uh, y'all listening. Brett is Brett underscore Hudson on Twitter. This is really good. The points per game, yeah. Um, so somebody had a question. It was Ford. Ford Polk 24 on Twitter had a question. Um, we average in the 90s in point scoring this year, right? What do we average per game in the last two years? Again, this goes back to the comparison of the previous teams. Mm-hmm. And so you look it up. 2016-17, uh, so three seasons ago, they were at 75.9 points per game. Of course, again, that's the whole year. Yeah. 2017-18, last season, they were 81 points a game. And this year, they're at 90.9 points a game, so right at 91 a game. And especially compared to two years ago, a team that was that Final Four deal, Mm -hmm. the team that beat UConn, that averaged 75, almost 76 a game. This one averaging 90 points a game. I mean, fair to say if they keep that up. Hard to believe it, but we'll be sitting here saying this is a better offensive team than they've had the last two years.
1: Well, and, and even if you give those previous two teams the, uh, the, the grace, I guess, of not factoring in their tournament performances and when they face tougher teams, when, yeah. I, when I tweeted that out, uh, the SID, Brian Ogden, shouts to him, he was, he was nice enough to give me the numbers through 19 games. On, on all three oh, of those okay. teams. Oh, okay, there they are. And yeah. they're still better. They're still better. Through 19 games, the first Final Four team was averaging 79.4. The second Final Four team was averaging 86.4. This one's averaging 90.9. Mm-hmm. Uh, those ranked 17th, 5th, and 1st in, in the nation, respectively. So well, h- however you cut it, this team is better offensively than the previous two teams that that made it. To the national championship game now, as I just mentioned earlier, they're they're also kind of moaning about their defensive mm. play, which I think is more of a uh, kind of a, a, a measuring stick of where the program is, as opposed to an actual concern. Uh, they're they're obviously still one of the one of the best programs in the nation, and that and that shows it. To go back to what you said about the preseason thing, I, that was kind of a an interesting thought exercise to me because i definitely remember coming into the season thinking you know those two national championship game runs were fantastic but they may have missed an opportunity there because you don't lose what you lost after last year and get right back to this level well i was clearly wrong hello my name is brett hudson and i am an (laughs) idiot because here they are yourself (laughs) well because here they are with uh, now, obviously, Andre Espinoza Hunter helps. That was a, that's a big piece, and and they've gotten Andrew Howard as well. That that also helps. That kind of changed the calculus for the expectations for this season coming in. But it's it's a credit to to the program that they were able to bring those two players in and get them up to speed pretty quickly to the point that they can make this team better despite everything they lost after last year. And what are the rankings you get those pulled up? Oh yeah. Uh, so let's let's say it cuts off at about eight or so eight legitimate national championship contenders. They are Notre Dame, Yukon, Baylor, Louisville, Oregon, Mississippi State, Stanford and NC State. Okay. Uh a combined seven losses among those eight teams. NC State's the only one that it's that is undefeated everybody else has a loss. Mississippi State falls sixth in the coaches poll, seventh in the AP poll. But that's that's clearly where they are. They are One of very few national championship contenders, and that's that's the conversation they belong in. So, like in football, we
0: have basically two teams who could win it. (laughs)
1: Last year, we did.
0: In women's basketball, we get at least eight that could possibly win. Yeah,
1: the I'm I'm not sold on NC State. I, I may be wrong. I'm not sold. Um, also not sold on, on Stanford quite yet, but, but the rest are, are believable. I won't, I won't be shocked to see any of those eight teams be in the final four. I might be shocked to see Stanford or NC state in the national championship game, but any of them in the final four is, is totally possible. Yeah.
0: Um, I think the thing to do now too, is, is just point to, okay, back to the scoring, um, statistically better at this point in the year and overall better than they were at any point the last two years 90 points a game best in a country Mm -hmm. two years ago that great team the same one where morgan william hit the shot to beat uconn that was a 70 something point a game team it's just hard to kind of wrap your mind around that many and then you go well that's probably because tiara mccowan um, is that much more developed now in her career and the threat that she is and the you know the 2020 type threat well you know, last <laughs> night they scored 90 against a bad Florida team, and she scores two points. She had two.
1: She had all but 88 of their points.
0: As, <laughs> all but 88. As, as
1: Vic put it uh, earlier. i tweet
0: that quote earlier Friday. tease <laughs> for this podcast. McK- Hudson, quote, parentheses, McCowan, had all but 88 of all, their points in the All game. but 88. That's great. Yeah. All right, before we go too much further, uh, I want to take a minute for you to hear from our sponsor, uh And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation, Mississippi State women's basketball. We're going to wrap up and get Brett's thoughts on the Florida game and then look ahead to uh, Ole Miss coming to the hump. But here's a message from our sponsor of the podcast, Mississippi
1: Land Bank. Farming isn't exactly the simple life. It involves satellites and spreadsheets and high-tech machinery to succeed. You need equipment like spreaders and sprayers and combines and the financial tools as well. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has provided the loans that equip agricultural businesses. We understand what it takes to make a farm work, and we know the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand.
0: All right, Brett, so uh, before looking ahead, the game uh, in Florida. Mm -hmm. Gators are not very good. No. Uh, they did score. I think the first points of the game. It was like two nothing.
1: I mean, it took them like twelve minutes to score again. It was, it was yeah. amazing.
0: I was going into a piano uh, recital, a hymn festival that my daughter was playing piano in, and on the way in, I pull out my phone. We're walking in. I check the score. It was like two to nothing, Florida. I thought, oh, look at that, they, they scored. <laughs> a little bit later, we go in and I check it again, and it's like twenty seven to six at the end of the first quarter or whatever it was, <laughs> and. Yeah, so it, it didn't take very long. So in a game like that and where it's such a blowout, what are the takeaways?
1: Well, what what I was wanting to see is what they did without Chloe Bibby. Because uh, I, I said this on the Facebook Live immediately after the game, and I kind of wanted to go into it again because I have more data on, on this now. What you do in an improvisational situation where you lose Chloe Bibby in the first two minutes of that game against South Carolina and you try to figure out what you're doing, what you do in that situation is going to be different from what you do once you have two or three days to figure out what you're going to be and what you need to be without that player. So I really wanted to to learn that out of this game. And we we got a really good performance out of uh, Bri Amber Scott. In this game she she definitely made the most of, of her opportunities. Uh she was three for three from uh from three point range if this stupid box score would pull up. Here we go. Got it. Uh yeah, she she came off the bench uh, and played played eighteen minutes Three for three from three point range. Five for eight from the field. Fifteen points. Uh, Andrea Espinosa Hunter got her uh, got Chloe Bibby's starting spot. She played thirteen minutes, uh, scored four points. So Bri Amber Scott was definitely the uh, the winner of that sweepstakes. But I, I wanted to have a kind of larger conversation about the absence of Chloe Bibby because there's two different ways you can go about it. You you look at the stats on this team right now and you say, well, this team just lost it's basically it's only three-point shooter which is technically true because even having missed for all intents and purposes the last two games Mm -hmm. she still has 83 point attempts and no other bulldog has more than 60 so she's clearly your lone big three-point shooter the the counterpoint to that is this team doesn't really shoot the three Mm -hmm. all that much uh there are 351 teams in division one they are 339th in three-point rate they only shoot 18% 18% of their shots are three-pointers. Mm-hmm. They just don't shoot the three-pointer all that much. And that comparison holds if you look at the previous two national championship game teams. So 2016-17, they took 15.5 threes per game. Last year, they took 18.3. This year, they're taking 14.1. And the, the three-point percentages, they're, they're pretty on par. They weren't as good two years ago. They were pretty good last year, and they're roughly on that same trajectory now. They're currently shuri- shooting 38.1% from three. So there's it's kind of an interesting thought exercise because there's two ways to take this. You could look at Chloe Bibby's absence and say, "Well, that's that's unfortunate for everyone, but this team doesn't really live and die by the three-pointer." Yeah. So you might be able to live without a bulk three-point shooter. The counterpoint to that is you don't shoot many threes, and she's taking most of them. Yeah, right. So you might need someone to take some more threes some more. so yeah. teams don't just compact into the tightest two-three zone in the history of this sport. So he and takes he- those. A- is it Scott? Is it? I think it's got to be a combination because uh, if you if you look at the percentages, yeah, Bree Amber Scott is shooting 56% from three right now, but she's only got 25 attempts. You right. need a little bit of bigger sample size mm-hmm. than that. If you look at the girls that have taken more threes, Andrea Espinosa-Hunter, she's shooting 33.9%. Amriel Howard shooting 317 You would you know, like a little bit more than that since Chloe was shooting 45%.
0: And, and you might think also that Espinosa-Hunter, as she plays more minutes, yeah. You know, finds that rhythm a little more often now too. Possibly, you, you, you would think, and she or could, you hope anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, she could certainly use it because she had that weird stretch in the non-con where she didn't play or played very little. She played nine minutes combined against Texas and Marquette, yeah. but that's that's pretty much solved now. I mean, since the Southern Miss game, well, put it this way: in conference play, she's played more than ten minutes four out of five times. Uh, she, she's clearly right. got a bigger role on this team, and she might be up for a bigger one. But yeah. the that role is going to go to whoever can make threes because you've yeah. got to take some. Yeah, that's right. Just to force defenses to respect you yeah. out on the perimeter. Someone's got to make them. Against Florida, it was Brianna Scott. If she is able to do that, she will continue to get the, the bulk of minutes off the off the bench and maybe even slide into a, a starting spot there that, that Espinoza – Occupied in, in Gainesville, but someone's got to make threes, even if they're not going to take all that many. Yeah. I think no one took more than three. You got to have Mississippi a State. You got you got to have someone. You got to have someone out there that at least forces an opposing defense to step out there. Yeah, open up the lane if you do want to work some inside outside game. So right. they needed that. They got it out of Bree Amber Scott, and they're going to need something more consistent going forward. With whoever it is, someone needs to be consistent in that regard.
0: Well, and you know, also lack of three point attempts. Just in terms of it being their makeup, their M.O. probably has a lot to do with the fact that um, Danbury and Holmes, they're just not three-point shooters. No.
1: No, they're they're they're, facilitators. They're
0: they're facilitators. They're put on the floor and beat you to the basket. They're so fast. Mm -hmm. And that's their game. So they're that's your two guards handling the ball the most that just aren't going to fire up threes.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that when no. you have a front court like Amriel Howard and Tierra McCowan. You probably need some facilitators. So they're, they're perfectly fine with the nucleus of this team being facilitators and creators that can create for themselves or create an opportunity to dish it off to, to Howard or McCowan. But they do need that three-point threat at some point just so teams don't go 2-3 zone and keep them out of the lane. Yeah. I, I enjoy – You know, as media, we get access to the stat broadcast stuff. Oh, I love those And
0: I do too. And one of my favorite things on it is the shooting. Yeah. Click on shooting, and it'll show you the whole game made versus missed shots for both teams. And so over that right column, it gives you the streaks. Mm -hmm. And I always like to see, you know, when were teams hot and when were they cold? Because they always say, you know, it's a game of runs. Yeah. State, in that Florida game, for instance, um, they they cooled off scoring the basketball as the game went on. But Mm -hmm. if you look, their first negative streak, which means the first time in the game where as a team they missed back-to-back shots that they took. The first
1: time that happened to them was – Can I guess? Yeah. I'm going to guess seven minutes left in the second quarter.
0: It's um, right at eight and a half minutes left. Okay. So, I mean, you know, you're a couple minutes into the second quarter before they actually missed back-to-back It took shots. you 12
1: minutes of basketball to miss consecutive shots. Yeah. That's pretty and, ridiculous. And
0: and then if you, you know, check that again, you talk about defense, look at what they did to Florida. Florida's <laughs> first positive streak. It's a lot of black
1: on that screen over there.
0: Florida's first positive streak, that would mean made back-to-back buckets. Came at the exact same time, right at about seven minutes left in the second quarter. (laughs) So you're 12 minutes into the game before finally there was this relief for Florida. Oh, my gosh, they missed a shot, and we made two shots in a Mm -hmm. row. So the pressure was really on. State just kind of dominated it. And then
1: State went on a 16-0 run to end the second quarter. Yeah. And and all hope was lost.
0: Right. And then, you know, again, some of the shots didn't fall in the second half. But, frankly, you're up so big – the edge is off a little bit. Yeah. And, and I don't care who you are, that that's palpable. It's a part of it. It's mm-hmm. real. You know, the edge comes off. So they win that game uh, really easily at Florida. Every, by this point, everybody kind of aware of you know, who did what. But just to recap it for you, Howard goes for 21 and eight. Eight rebounds. In, in 21
1: there. minutes, by the way.
0: In, right. In 20, <laughs> 21 points, 21 minutes. She's 10 for 14. She took three threes <laughs> and hit one of them. Yeah. Uh, and had the eight rebounds. Only got 2.6 rebounds in 24 minutes out of uh, McCallum. But the others in double figures, you know, like I said Howard had 21. Danbury had 12. Uh, off the bench, uh Scott gave you 15 and went three for three from three-point range. So she goes 15 points in 18 minutes. And then Wiggins with 11. And she had a couple of assists in there also. I believe minutes.
1: that's a career high for her. Yeah. I think that's what Vic said okay. earlier Friday.
0: And that's big. So, you know, again, you really overmatch a team, but they get a ton
1: out of their bench. Yeah. And uh, it was really an efficient night. So one, one more thing on this game before we spin it forward to, to Ole Miss. I heard uh, Vic Schaefer say this um, earlier Friday, and I wanted to pass it along because I think fans will find it interesting. So they have an assistant coach who's, whose name eludes me at the moment. They have an assistant coach chart box outs. They, they take rebounding very seriously in this program. And they chart when players miss a box out. And they start the practice after a game. They start each practice by forcing players to make up for their missed box outs. So, say you, Matt Wyatt, miss seven box outs in a game, okay? The coaches are going to start their next practice by putting up a shot and missing it. They're going to make you look for someone, box them out, and then go get the rebound. You got to mm-hmm. do that seven times before people can even begin their practice. I, mm-hmm. I just found it interesting wow. that that comes on that Vic made such a point to talk about that coming off a game where they got out rebounded. Very strange to mm-hmm. to see that yeah. happen. Uh, Forty to thirty six in in that regard. And Florida got more offensive rebounds, sixteen to eleven. Uh, it, it was very strange to watch this team get out rebounded, but it happened. And and this is definitely the kind of program that prioritizes that to the nth degree. So I just found it interesting that they take such a emphasis on boxing out that they yeah that they prioritize that in, in practice. I thought people might be interested in hearing that. Yeah, they got out rebounded, but that isn't just a luck of the bounce thing. Vic doesn't look at it that way. He he thinks rebounding is an effort thing, and he's going to get that one way or the other. Imagine, like, missing double-digit box outs. and he's, he, that Your whole before. team has to watch you go through that yep. to begin a practice. Oh, yeah. he he He's made it clear that has happened before. That's great. But he, he said it was kind of nice because sometimes one girl will miss, like, 15 box outs or whatever, and she's just holding everything up. But in this case, it was <laughs> this person missed three, this person uh-huh, missed five, right. this person missed four, so on, so on. So everybody gets a little box out work in Friday's practice.
0: Last stat from the game, I just have to point it out because you just don't see it too much. The coach-speak evaluation of games is they all talk in the men's and the women's game about how important assist-to-turnover ratio is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> State goes in this game 20 assists to 10 turnovers.
1: Okay? 20 assists. Oh, to I'm seeing the number you're about to read, and I am and, terrified.
0: And then Florida, in the same game, goes four assists and 27 turnovers. <sighs> Mississippi State in the game thirty seven points off turnovers and Florida had six. I mean,
1: again, you want to talk about like margin of victory? Chalk it up. I'd it like is. to buy an adult beverage for Florida's head coach. <laughs> like he has seen unspeakable oh, things. Man, after that, oh hey, my Scott Strickland, if you are listening, <laughs> go pat your boy in the back, man.
0: <laughs> he needs a pick. Pick me up. All right, that's rough. Um, just to reset. He's Brett Hudson. I'm Matt Wyatt. You're listening to the, obviously, because you clicked on it, you know, the Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs podcast, Um, brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank, mslandbank.com. All right. So coming up this weekend, Vic Schaefer and the crew are going to host Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. a team that State beat twice last year, home and away. The scores in this matchup last year were, in the hump, it was 76-45. You know, relatively low scoring overall. Then on the road in Oxford last year, State wins sixty-nine to forty-nine. Again, a twenty-point win, but relatively low scoring. Yeah. And you were pointing out to me, Brett, that you were quite literally very close to being in diapers. I'm not saying in diapers, <laughs> but close to being in diapers. Yeah. I was. I was the gonna...
1: last time Ole Miss women won a game in this coliseum what were you doing in february of 2007 what were you doing that is a really good question man i was not married um a completely new era in the life of matt White.
0: i was probably fishing playing golf in the rain had it made you know what i'm saying sort of thing and like since then all that stuff's gone away what were you doing in february of two thousand seven? this is
1: going to crush you are you, are you sure you're ready for this I kind of have a feeling at what it's going to be. It's going to be something like – I was a freshman in high school. You were a freshman. I was a freshman in high school. I was a freshman in high school the last time the Ole Miss women's basketball team came to Starkville and beat the Bulldogs. I was a freshman in high school. I have since gotten a degree. How was life for
0: you as a freshman in high school?
1: Where'd you go to high school? Gulf Shores High. Gulf Shores. You were supposed to be paying attention in
0: class. You were daydreaming about surfing and playing in the sand. And, <laughs> right?
1: Probably daydreaming about all those girls I couldn't get. Probably, <laughs> probably so. Yeah. Probably. As was every other Ain't freshman guy in high school. Ain't that the truth. Yeah, I was I was probably sitting in Mrs. Effort's English class. Okay,
0: so February 2007, the last time that uh, an old Miss women's team came in here and uh, – and beat Mississippi State. And so you got that streak going. Mm-hmm. You also if you look at um you know the two teams combined in terms of records, Ole Miss this year they're 8 and 12. Got a new staff. Yeah. Uh entirely new staff there. They're 8 and 12 to start the year. They're 2 and 4 in the conference. But one of their two wins was just a week ago they go to Kentucky and beat a top 15 team and he held them it. held them under 50 points in that ball game. So there are some signs that they are doing good things in that in that program and you know uh, again coach speak it goes without saying but it is a game that not only because of the rivalry but it's just another SEC game that you simply cannot Take it lightly in any respect at all,
1: yeah, yeah, I mentioned it on your on your radio show earlier uh, Friday, talking about how this is the kind of team where you really just need to give them the kill shot immediately because mm-hmm. if you let the margin of error kind of shrink on you, they are the kind of team that will let the floor crumble right underneath you and and one of the biggest reasons for that is because they are so good at the free throw line. They take advantage of every opportunity given to them. In their last three games, at Kentucky, they were 92% from the free throw line. Uh, In the win over Florida, they were 87.5%. And even in the loss at Vanderbilt in their last game, they were 85.7% from the free throw line. So in their last three games, they've been hovering around 90% from the line. Uh, Just a really tough team to put away when you shoot the free throw that well mm-hmm. uh so this is this is a team that that Mississippi State need not mess around with because if you get in a free throw shooting contest with with these girls you're you're gonna have a tough time with it yeah just outside of the top 100 uh nationally and in free throw shooting percentage but they weren't very good in that in that regard early in the season if you if you were to just take their most recent performances obviously you would you would have a much different story in that regard
0: you're looking at uh who leads them um in terms of uh, points and and other uh, things that you would look at in a box score, heading into uh, a matchup, their leading scorer is Crystal Allen, mm-hmm. and she's averaging over eighteen points a game, and um, averaging right at three rebounds a game. They don't have anybody that is, you know, that double digit rebounder. Uh, they have a couple who are in that five rebounds per game range, but Crystal Allen, their leading scorer, coming in averaging eighteen, I think
1: she had twenty plus in that when at Kentucky. Yeah. Um yeah, this offense goes the way she goes. She had twenty-eight in that in that game against Kentucky and then had twenty in Ole Miss's last game against Vandy. Okay.
0: And then Shandrika Sessum, uh a five ten guard, she is actually from Bahalia. She's their second leading scorer. Ten points a ball game. So they have two players averaging in double figures. Again, not every game is um you know, correlates to everything they do. You know, you can have these crazy games. But if if the averages and the way these teams play hold true, Ole Miss's chance, their only chance to stay in the game and win in here is it's, number one, got to be a low-scoring game. Look at the way they beat Kentucky. Again, mm-hmm. you hold them under 50 points somehow. It's got to be a low-scoring game. And, as you said, they've got to get McCowan into foul trouble. They've got to get to the free-throw line. And... um that's pretty much their formula, and they know that's got to be an ugly, low-scoring game somehow. And, I, you know, uh, the way – even without Chloe Bibby, the way throughout the depth this state team is capable of scoring, it's hard to see them – you know, you're scoring 90 points a ball game, number one in the country. It's just, it's, it looks like a terrible matchup for Ole Miss, if you want to look at it that way.
1: Yeah, and, and Mississippi State is capable of turning games into track meets because of how well they can press. Vic was. Was very pleased with with the press against Florida and the way that they were able to really bother Florida's ball handlers with their with their press, and particularly how aggressive they were on the on the pick and roll defense. I noticed that in that game that was that was really impressive. So if they're able to kind of force Ole Miss to play at a tempo quicker than they usually do, uh, that would that would create the the scoring circumstance for for the shootout that, that they need to make Ole Miss there at their least comfortable. Um, but another interesting aspect of this game is Lacera Salter comes back to to Starkville, the former. That's I was trying to remember the name. Former Mississippi State Bulldog, uh, now now in Oxford. Uh, you mentioned. They have, they have two players averaging double-figure points. She's just outside of that. She's averaging eight a game, but she's a pretty effective shooter for them, 44% from the field, uh, 53% from inside the three-point line. Not very good from outside the three-point line, but she doesn't shoot all that much from out there. Anyway, five rebounds a game. Out of her as well, one and a half rebound, offensive rebounds a game. So she's she's definitely making an impact now that she is she is back in the state of Mississippi, just on the opposite side of of this particular uh, rivalry. So that's that's an interesting uh, tangent to mm-hmm. to this game that a former Bulldog is is coming back in in this rivalry and in conference game in general.
0: I'm I'm looking at your notes, Brett, on Twitter today from this room. As a matter of fact, if you're yeah. listening, we're recording in the media room at the Hump and Brett was in here earlier for uh, Vic Schaefer's press conference, he mentioned that defensive chemistry is the last thing that gels Mm -hmm. on a team or that's the way he sees it. Did he kind of elaborate on that at all?
1: Um, not really. I think it's just the, the idea that this team is plenty talented enough to play good defense. They just aren't quite playing collectively as a unit yet, or at least in, in his opinion. And maybe that's why, that's why the defense isn't where he thinks it, it should be. And, and there were two players in here that kind of elaborated on, 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 uh, on that point. Um, Jordan Danbury uh, was was in here for for the press conference, mm-hmm. and, and she said that she thought a lot of it was help side defense. Uh, be it coming coming back into the lane, and actually Jasmine Holmes came came back on that point and said taking charges from the help side, coming from the help side, occupying the lane, and taking a charge. That's something that they think they should improve on. But but Jordan continued on and said passing lanes and just generally guarding the ball. Those are those are all th- now guarding the ball isn't, but occupying passing lanes coming from the help side all of those are things that come from reps and rotations and just doing this over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and to go back to that senior class that this program lost last year they had so much time together they could do all of that without even thinking they knew how to rotate within the system they knew how to play help side within the system and they knew how to play it with each other they knew each other's tendencies. This squad doesn't necessarily have that yet. So that might be where where this team has has the most to to improve. Because they're they're plenty talented to play sure. fantastic defense. They're long, they're quick, they're athletic. They just don't have the finer nuances that can take you from top forty defense in the nation to a top ten defense in the nation. And that's that's always going to be the standard with a Vic Schaefer team. Yeah. You know, and I can't
0: help but, you know, go ahead and kind of peek forward at the upcoming schedule. Oh, which, I was doing it too.
1: Don't get me wrong.
0: Say, so you, you know, we can do it. We're not coaching. Right. We're not one game at a time, coach. We don't have to. No. <laughs> um, but so it's Ole Miss on Sunday. And then a pretty doggone interesting three weeks now. I mean, what else would you expect in the SEC? Mm-hmm. But so Ole Miss on Sunday. Then back to back road games to say LSU and then in Tuscaloosa at Alabama to begin February. The thing is, you know, L S U kind of middle of the pack of the yeah. SEC, but you're gonna go down there. Uh, you'll follow that up with a road trip to um, to Tuscaloosa. And then on the tenth, February tenth, on a weekend at one PM game on ESPN nationally televised, in the hump. It's already sold out, state gonna host Tennessee. And see the thing about it is there'll be a lot of build up to that. It's there's still this just um Aura that walks yeah. around following Tennessee Lady Vols basketball. Even though they're 1-5 in, in conference play I know, right now. I know. And
1: a lot of murmuring coming out of Knoxville that change could be on the way. Yeah. And, and what's especially interesting about that is Mississippi State does not play a Thursday game in between the Alabama game and the Tennessee game. So they're going to go an entire week, a week. of yeah. nothing but Tennessee build up going into a game that – did you say it was sold out already? I think it? I saw where it's already sold out. I know that you have – um, that both
0: men's and women's games this weekend sold out. Yeah, and I think I saw on Twitter that it's maybe
1: either like I knew it was close. Like maybe was close. 100.
0: Okay, uh, so why well, jump the gun a little so, bit? So
1: maybe it sold out by the time this podcast posts. Who knows? Yeah, uh, but 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 the point is that they've got a full week of build up going into a, a game against a team that is. Uh, among the best, or, or at least a program that has among the best histories and traditions in yeah. in this sport, and uh, against in a building that is going to be sold out, like yeah. they're going to find a way to get get rid of those last wh- however many tickets.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, so fast forward even beyond that. So LSU Alabama road trips, then yeah. host Tennessee on the tenth. This very game.
1: I love this game.
0: Absolutely, an eight p.m. televised game on the fourteenth of February. 8 p.m. So late start, mm-hmm. and 25th rank. Now, currently, 25th ranked Missouri comes in here, and then you're going to follow that up with a road trip to a top 25 Texas A&M. So even though Tennessee, not ranked, sure they've struggled, but they do recruit well. Mm-hmm. They are capable, and you're going to play Tennessee, Missouri, and A
1: and M. Back-to-back-to-back, to back to back right there at a, a crucial time in the schedule. That is the stretch of the schedule, yeah. in my opinion. That home game against Missouri on February 14th at Texas A&M on February 17th, and then at Ole Miss on February 21st, for for many reasons. One, if, if everything goes perfectly for the Bulldogs, they could clinch potentially a share of the conference championship in Oxford. I'm sure that would be delicious for a lot of Mississippi State fans. Out there, but but that's that's the stretch of the schedule because I mean let's let's review this again: home against Ole Miss, at LSU, at Alabama, Tennessee at home. Those are all middle of the pack or worse mm-hmm. SEC teams. Missouri, very good. Texas A and M, rock solid. We know that. And Then you have to go on the road again right. to Ole Miss. Uh, that Missouri team, I actually watched a little bit of their game against Kentucky uh, before Mississippi State played Florida. Uh, Missouri had a had a lead in that game for a significant time. They ended up losing fifty two to forty one, but I was impressed by Missouri in that game because they were they were very good defensively. Kentucky it, it was it was rough going for Kentucky offensively for the first half of, of that game. They've so, had some struggles lately on offense. Yeah. So so Missouri Missouri is a team that can make you just hate life. <laughs> they, they they can <laughs> make everybody, you miserable.
0: Everybody kind of seems to hate Sophie Cunningham. She seems to be that player that everybody. She's the, she's the epic heel.
1: Uh, she's a heel for yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it is, but that that stretch of the schedule is is incredibly interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, as much as people are not going to look past the game against Ole Miss, and I totally understand that. That that stretch is going to be going to be really interesting for the long term prospects here.
0: Brett Hudson, I'm Matt Wyatt. Um, the Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs podcast. It's it, For me, I still have to think about it and then say it. It doesn't quite roll yet. I'll get there, though. Yeah. Praise the Lord and talk to all. <laughs> you do it much better than I do. Um, it is
1: my brainchild.
0: It is, so you should be able to. I'm, I'm a little biased. And uh, the it. podcast sponsored by Mississippi Land Bank. And talking with some others. Yeah, um, um, had a little correspondence today. Some others may want to get involved. And people mm-hmm. we can tell you about when you come and visit the Golden Triangle. Uh, that's coming up. So... Uh, kind of to recap so far, a big win over a, um, a very overmatched Florida team, but they really take care of business throughout the depth, and the bench played well. Then uh, Ole Miss coming in, it's an, it's a game that you have to knuckle down and focus. You can't look at records, and the fact that Ole Miss hasn't won in here in 11 years it doesn't matter, but State's certainly capable of winning a game handily if they play to their capability. Yeah. And everybody's going to expect this. It. It's going to be a full arena, expecting to see that. And to hoot and holler and celebrate. And um, then we'll get back together, Brett, on Tuesday. Yep. And uh, do it again. But before we're done, now a little bit about you for all the people listening. Okay. So um, so here you are in a new role. Um, I don't even like to say working for me. It's just kind of we're working together on this thing. Um, and you'll be doing a lot of different things. Yeah. But for the people listening, uh, describe – kind of where you are right now in your head and how it feels to kind of be back into the Swing of
1: things. Oh, it swing. was it was definitely nice to to see a lot of the, the folks on the MSU beat today. What did they say uh, to
0: you when you walked in?
1: Uh just good to have me back. Brian Brian Haydad gave me a, a bear hug, which a did man of, really? which a man of his size giving a bear hug is a pretty, pretty S- devastating thing. But but Scary. I I hit the gym sometimes. I can I can I can stand up to him if, if need be. But <laughs> no, it was it was good to see all the all the beat riders, Joel Coleman, Starkville Daily, Logan Lowry, uh, the Daily Journal, all yeah. those, all those guys at two four seven and the, the army they have it. Page, they have like <laughs> 13 employees. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was good to see all of them. It was good to see all the communication staffers at at Mississippi State. They were all very supportive in, in the aftermath. I think everybody knows what what happened and and why I'm here. Uh, they were they were all very supportive and they were they're they're thrilled to have me back. You um, know, I'm thrilled to be back. This is. This is cool. I have a lot of institutional knowledge on on what goes on around here now, and uh, and I'm looking forward to to putting that to use in in a different way than than what I used to, and I I'd, I'd say arguably a better way, just because it's going to give not only podcast listeners to this one, but going forward to to baseball and even some men's basketball stuff. Yeah, uh, even though that's not the point of this podcast, there will be content on on all three of those teams I just mentioned. It's going to give them something different that they can't get anywhere else. That's what I'm looking forward to.
0: Um, People that listen that want to contact you, like if it's a question or if they just want to say, I know you get a ton of feedback on Twitter and I've promoted that Brett underscore Hudson but what's the best way to hit you up if they're looking to do that
1: that's probably the best way uh, if, if you're not on Twitter just find the uh, the Facebook page uh, facebook p- facebook.com slash radio Wyatt you can search uh, Matt Wyatt media on on Facebook and if you just send that page a, a message and just make sure you put my name up at the top so so I know you're you're looking for me I'll, I'll search through the the inbox and and find your inquiries there but find 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 me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson hit me hit hit me up specifically on the uh, radio Wyatt Facebook page and I'll, I'll get to you. There
0: you go. All right. Well, uh, we're all glad you're back. We, Love um, it. uh, you and I both kind of share an affinity during football season for video stuff mm-hmm. and people will be glad to know that, uh, that'll be coming around. Of course, spring will be here soon Yeah, and get into a little bit of that. Um, so again, y'all let Brett know you're glad to have him back and that he, under no circumstances is allowed to take any jobs, um, or even consider it anytime <laughs> soon. No, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding.
1: I don't All think right. the fans are though. <laughs> I don't think the fans that say that. I don't think <laughs> they are kidding. <laughs> they really aren't. I but, don't think uh, they are. You know that
0: you're uh, appreciated and that your work is, um, you know, consumed the way you want it to be consumed. When it stops for some reason and people are genuinely
1: angry. That they don't have it anymore. I, I did not <laughs> expect that. They were
0: mad. They were really mad.
1: Like they. Oh, that was that was uh, a, an unleashing of unholy. <laughs> I don't even know. Don't that even know wild.
0: what that was. But yeah.
1: Anyway, it felt good though, Sure it? did. Sure <laughs> did. My family loved every second of it.
0: Yeah. So when you guys come to the game on Sunday, I know ten thousand plus of you will uh, look for Brett. Holler at him. Say hey. Tell him great job. And uh, let them know what you think about the podcast. Look, it's one of those things where it'll be a work in progress. This is the first one. And uh, perpetually, endlessly, eternally, there are ways to get better. So if there are things that you as a fan would like to hear on the Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs podcast, whether it be uh, different kinds of content, whether it be certain ways to break it down, anything you want, always let us know. We're going to look for ways. This is all about you. As a fan and as a listener, it's not about us. It's about you. So we want it to be what you want. So all you got to do is let us know. All right. So thanks to Mississippi Land Bank for helping us make it happen. Y'all let them know at mslandbank.com. They're wonderful people. I've worked with them for years and years. And they're absolutely the, the kind of people, individuals that I'm happy to associate with and to send you to because they're the kind of people you want to do business with. Anything land-related, buying and selling. Go hit them up, Mississippi Land Bank. Brett Hudson, Matt Wyatt. This is Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs. Almost hesitated. And we'll <laughs> see you next time. See you.